Hello, I'm Oliver Wong. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Every episode, we invite a guest to join us to talk about a heat rock, you know, an album that burns like an internal flame. And today, we will be jumping into our first ever discussion of India Ari by revisiting her 2006 album, Testimony, Volume 1, Life and Relationships. I don't remember where it started, but this is where it's gonna end. My body is beautiful and sacred, and I'm gonna celebrate it. I'm having a private party, ain't nobody here but me and my angels and my guitar singing. Baby, look how far we've come. By the time we arrived at Testimony, neo-soul pioneer Ari had already introduced us to her acoustic soul and taken us on a voyage to India. It's hard to describe Testimony as her most personal album, given that Ari's soul-bearing earnestness had always been part of her artistic identity. But as with all good breakup albums, Testimony wouldn't live up to its name if it didn't feel a bit too intimate at times, like a diary you're not supposed to read, but you can't help yourself. Testimony Volume 1 was a commercial smash, debuting at number one, but fell short of reaching a critical consensus. In fact, one writer compared the LP to, quote, a cup of decaffeinated jasmine tea, unquote, ouch. And that was one of the positive reviews. Where will the Heat Rocks crew land on this? You'll just have to listen as we get into the heart of the matter. (laughs) Testimony, Volume 1, Life and Relationship, was the album pick of our guest today, Jared Hill. Race, politics, pop culture, black culture. It's a good day when Jared Hill is speaking about any or all of those things. How do I know? Because I'm tapped in. I stay tapped in. His talents have taken him to NBC, Channel Q, The Hollywood Reporter, The New York Times, and Variety. I asked my grandmother once why she wore gloves to church all the time, and she said, because they give me good coverage. Jared Hill gives good coverage. Sharply on point, timely, insightful, making the best use of his rather large platform for such a time as this. We both attended Clark Atlanta University, and we majored in the same field, and somehow we've ended up on the same network, Maximum Fun. He hosts a weekly podcast called Fanti with a former guest of ours, Travel Anderson. Good stuff you might remember from our episode on Dream Girls. We are so happy to have Jared Hill on the show. Welcome to Hate Rocks. Um, am I supposed to be able to talk after that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I I hate hearing my own bio, but that was even better. Like, I want to come here every week. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. So as we ask all the time, what was your introduction to one India Ari and two this album? First things first, I have to say, I did more preparation for being on Heat Rocks than I do for being on CNN. Just <laughs> going to be honest, because I was nervous like about doing this. I was introduced to India Ari with her first video. Uh, she did uh, that song called Video. And I remember just thinking like, whoa, she did not care to like try and be any of the stuff that we've seen before. Um, the lyrics to that song were, I'm not the average girl from your video, right? And that was me meeting India Ari and being just so impressed by how 
counter she was to everything else I'd ever seen in an artist. And I just, I, after that, I was in. I was completely in. What about this album? And sometimes we ask people, you know, how they got this album. I, for one, uh, bought this album at Circuit City. Um, <laughs> Circuit City oh. selling CDs then, and I picked up the album there. Circuit City, may she rest. Um, <laughs> I I was at Clark Atlanta University when this came out, actually. Okay. Um, and I lived in what we would effectively call a boarding house. It was like four-bedroom house. Uh, with, you know, four different roommates, none of whom knew each other before. And I remember this album coming out and feeling like I was so deep because I loved this album. <laughs> um, and going through it and just really loving almost all of the songs at the time and thinking to myself, like, this is so, like, transcendent, but it was also so introspective and vulnerable and beautiful and just talking with my friends about it and, you know, at 20 years old or 21 or whatever I was, it was it was real heavy to us. And I mean, it still is now. But what I loved about India Ari um, and when we were talking about what what album to do for this, I also sent you guys Voyage to India because yeah. India's albums have this thing for me that when I hear them, they speak to me in a way that is really resonant and and really gets beneath the surface. But then also when I go back and listen to them years later, they speak to me in a different way than they did the prior time. And I get so much more out of it. And that has happened to me again with this album as preparing for this episode. You know, I went back and forth because I made the final decision between this album and voyage to India. And it was, mm. it was hard. It was hard for me because I like both albums. Um, I've always said that voyage to India want to talk about this album because it's one of my favorites it just feels a little bit more produced than this album mm. it's a it's a little bit slicker and it's almost like someone said we're gonna let you do your acoustic thing but we're gonna give you like a slick undertone to it so it'll be a little bit more palatable for the masses and even to that point like the graphic like i always look at graphics and marketing and like what they how they brand something and like even the cover of voyage feels a little bit more commercial yeah a little bit more like store friendly as opposed to the cover of this where she's like standing in front of a tree with some with a you know orange yellow situation like i i, I completely get what you mean by that that's it and i think someone made that decision um and it's surprising because this album was nominated for three Grammys, right? She's got four wins, 23 nominations overall. Yet the critics weren't kind to her on this album. Um, they said a lot of what, what uh, Oliver said in the, the intro. And they said that, that she was a victim of her own earnestness. Um, and earnestness and NDRE are two things that go together. That's just her, her thing. What do you think the critics might have missed about, about this I think the critics feeling that way about this album is more about the problem with critics than it is about this album. Yeah. <laughs> um, I One of the many things I do is uh, working with NABJ LA, the National Association of Black Journalists uh, here in Los Angeles. And we are always having a discussion about the lack of diversity in newsrooms. And mm -hmm. that also stretches to... Uh, criticism, right? When we're looking at film and television and music, um, those rooms are often filled with a lot of white men. And like, 
it's not hard for me to understand how a white man might have a difficult time connecting with what she's doing in this album. Right. I am definitely not an areologist. In fact, it, it occurred to me in prepping for today, I've never listened to any of her albums from front to back. And in fact, I think really the only time I, I paid her really any kind of attention was probably when Acoustic Soul first came out. And by that time, and she was a little bit on the slightly later uh, wave of kind of neo-soul artists, um, you know, a little bit after Erica, a little bit after Jill Scott. And so an album like this being her third album would have completely missed my personal radar. And so sitting with it was pretty interesting, especially having read some of the reviews and trying to understand what it is that they were hearing or not hearing. I thought overall it was a very, and I'm not trying to damn with faint praise here. It was a very pleasant album. I did find myself agreeing with at least some of the critiques around the songwriting. And maybe it was really just the most, to me, obvious example, which is on Wings of Forgiveness, where she compares forgiving her ex to Nelson Mandela forgiving his apartheid oppressors. And I just felt like the scale of that didn't quite seem right. But that said, it's it seems to me that what when people are commenting on her earnestness, they're also suggesting that the way in which she writes songs, it's not and this goes back to I think Morgan's point a moment ago, there's not like an overproduction to it. In other words, she speaks her mind. And I know this that sounds like its own kind of cliche in terms of she just she's very sincere. But there is kind of this raw sincerity on here, not in a way that feels too intimate in terms of too awkward, but just that you feel like these some of these songs were not necessarily workshopped to a great extent, which could both be seen as I think a a pro or a con, depending on your point of view. I would say that the the analogy of Wings of Forgiveness, forgiveness and the Nelson Mandela apartheid moment, I would say that that was probably more indicative of what that relationship was like for her, right? I mean, mind you, scale is apartheid's a little bit bigger than a bad relationship. Um, but I would, it would make me, hearing that would immediately illuminate for me like, this was no ordinary, just run-of-the-mill relationship that didn't go well, right? It seems like it was an oppressive relationship, seemingly, or one that, that really did damage to, to her, if not both of them. If Nelson Mandela can't forgive his oppressor, surely I can't forgive you for your passion. If I could just like insert really quickly here, I wrote down, I told you guys I took a lot of notes preparing for this. Uh, I wrote down that she was so far ahead of her time for 30 years old, yes. right? Like, I'm just thinking like, whoa, if I had this level of insight at 30, like, where would I be That's at it. 35? I turned 35, uh, <laughs> you know, in the next few days. And like, I just don't know where I would be now if I was thinking this way at 28, 29, 30. That's it. Mm. And I've said, mm. you know, I've said it before, maybe you'll appreciate this because you went to Clark, but I do think your 20s are like Freaknik um, in the 90s. <laughs> you know that you were there, but parts of it were a blur, um, and you hope to God nobody was recording. And there's things mm. that you w would do differently if you had the chance, but you don't. And for her to be this woke and insightful in her 20s going into her 30s, she was early on that, too. Actually, I wanted to come back to the fact that, uh, you know, Jarrett, you had originally suggested you know, two different albums by her, the other one being Voyage to India. And I'm wondering, Jarrett, for you, what are some of the similarities and really perhaps more to the point, the differences between the 
India Irie that exists on Voyage to India as opposed to the one that we got four years later with this mm. album? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, most practically applied, Voyage to India was me in high school and mm. Testimony was me in college. And I remember, um, <laughs> I remember Voyage to India because I, one of my really good friends at school was one of the teachers, this English teacher named Miss Bess, who's now Miss Calamaris, but a uh, black woman. And like we, we just bonded immediately when I met her in ninth grade. And we would always just like play that album and like talk about it all the time. And I loved that album. But I also know the difference between one to the next was I had come out when I, when Testimony came out. And like I had actually started dating and like having relationships um, and was able to relate to actually, you know, being with someone because before I came out, I'd never dated. Um, and so my first relationships were starting when I was 19, as opposed to my friends who, you know, were boyfriend and girlfriend in first grade, whatever that meant. <laughs> um, and so I was, I was just kind of getting to understand what it felt like to have my heart broken, mm -hmm. um, what it meant to love someone and care about someone and them not reciprocate that. Or for me to not feel what someone else was feeling, you know what I mean? Like, so I was able to connect, I think, with this album in a way um, that was wholly different. And I think I probably go back to this album more than even Voyage because of the way I was able to connect with yeah. it at that time. Yeah. Right. Because I would imagine that if you were to listen to a breakup album before you even started dating, the themes are not going to be resonant in the same way because you just don't have that kind of emotional experience to be able to relate to what it is that the singer's giving you. Yeah. I There was only one song that was like a breakup song that I could really relate to, and it was me trying to date this girl who ended up being one of my best friends. Go figure. Um, <laughs> but like, but I was like, I, I was doing it mathematically. I was like, I'm a boy. You're a girl. We're best friends. We're supposed to be together, right? And she was like, nah, bruh, it don't work like that. And so I was so hurt. And I remember um, there was, I'm so embarrassed. There was this uh, track from NSYNC called Selfish. Yeah, and I know that jam. I just don't understand why you want it from a good man, baby. Why you want to turn your back on love? Why you've already given up? And like, I was that guy, right? And I had my, my eight second anti-skip. CD player, and I played that song all morning, all day at school. All like, and I was in the bathtub with it sitting on the floor, so it didn't get wet with my headphones on. Like, that was the only real uh, connection I had to like love and breakup because I'd never had a relationship before mm -hmm. that. Wow, did I just sing selfish? You did. And you know what? I remember that jam, too, which is me having to come out as a quiet NSYNC fan. You know, low-key, low-key, not, not all albums, <laughs> not all jams. But Confession is good for the soul. There were some jams, and <clears throat> I'm going to co-sign that. I appreciate know? that. Thank you for standing with me. Morgan, I want to come back to something you were touching on a little bit earlier, which is how does India Ari fit into this kind of constellation of other artists that she's frequently compared to? And in, in asking this... I think neo-soul, as much as it was a term that was being championed by some of the artists at the time, 
as we know with any genre, it's also just a marketing thing, right? It's a way to group people together. So it, it makes it easy for people to find whatever it is you're looking for at a record store. You can program it for radio and what have you. So do you feel like any RE actually really is meant to fit in alongside, let's say, a Jill Scott or an Erica Badu or anyone or D'Angelo for that matter? Um, or do you think it had more to do with the fact that of her age at the point at which her first album comes out happens to be around the same time as some of these other artists? Does she belong in this? Does Neil so even make sense as something to apply to, to India RE? I think so. And although she's a little bit later, I think she's definitely should be part of the Neil soul conversation. Um, if for nothing else, thematically and, and the presentation, we think about, you know, uh, artists like music soul child and his first video where it was, you know, he had the the head wrap and, you know, it was peace, peace, that, that side of Philly and what, what he was giving on that album. I just want to sing, I think was the name of the first album. And so I do think she belongs, you know, included in that category, a different side of Neo soul for sure, but definitely should mm. be a part of the Neo soul conversation, albeit a few, a few mm. years later. I think of India Ari in the, time of neo soul like the other artists that come to mind immediately are erica badu and joe scott but also like an angie stone um mm, a music soul mm-hmm. child that you spoke of um yeah. d'angelo maxwelly kind of maxwell in there as well and <laughs> but she doesn't feel like any of them you know what i mean like there's something very different about her and i mean it's not just playing the guitar but i think that's probably part of it but I think there is a vulnerability, and I mean, Testimony is a perfect example of that, a vulnerability in this album that I don't know that I've seen in another album. And I won't say that it doesn't exist in another album, but I'll say that I don't know of it in another album quite in this way. Filled up with shame from the top of my head to the soles of my shoes. I put myself in so many chaotic circumstances. By the grace of God, I've been given so many second chances. But today I decided to You know, I think part of what feels different from India, and I'm thinking about Erica, I'm thinking about Jill, and maybe a bit with Angie Stone too. I don't feel like India is trying to like uh do like a, a flat footed wide stance, I'm here to make a statement. I always feel India Ari's music as this is who I am. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't feel like she has like a political message always, but even in uh, in one of my favorite songs on the album, Better Better People, she even like says like if Democrat if Democratic people would talk to Republican people, we would be diplomatic people um all around. And like even that doesn't feel political. <laughs> it feels like her saying like I, I think we should be, you know, talking to everybody. Um sure. and I I don't know if that is true for all of the other artists that we were talking about in Neo Soul, but like I definitely feel that about India. She's not like trying to to like stake her flag here and say this is who I am and this is what I believe. It's like this is this is who I am. Take it or leave it. They call it a generational curse, but these problems don't just drop out the sky. We will be back with more of our conversation with Jared Hill about India Ari's Testimony Volume 1 after a brief word from some of our sibling Max Fun podcasts. Don't go anywhere. Hey, thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. 
These are real podcast listeners, not actors. We took the identifying marks off this podcast. Just tell me your impressions. It's really sexy. My first thought is like, Radiolab? Definitely something popular. Yeah, really popular. A hit show. But funny, too. Like, does Tina Fey have a podcast? Or the Marx Brothers? Yeah, is this podcast Radiolab, but hosted by the Marx Brothers? And sexy, like Sade. It reminds me of Sade. Exactly. And they're all riding in a BMW. Close, but not quite. Take a look behind these panels. (gasps) And then watch this rocket blast off into space. Whoa. And there's the pies we made you. (gasps) Now, let's show you the podcast. Wow, it was Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? Hold on. Whoa. Ooh. Oh my goodness. That was 514 J.D. Power & Associates Podcasting Awards. That was really scary. But compelling. I guess I should definitely subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go. Um, yeah. I'd say so. Jordan Jesse Go. A real podcast. Strange planets, curious technology, and a fantastic vision of the distant future. Featuring Martin Starr. So we're going on day 14. Shuttle still hasn't come. Aparna Nancherla. The security system provides you with emotional security. You do the rest. Echo Kellum. Can you disconnect me or not? Hurry Kondabolu. I'm staying. From Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Jeffrey McGiver. Could you play Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun? It's The Outer Reach. Stories from Beyond. Now available for free at MaximumFun.org or anywhere you listen. Yo, and we're back on Hate Rocks talking with Jared Hill about Testimony Volume 1, Life and Relationship from India, Ari. Jared, let's take a quick break to ask you a little bit more about your new podcast with Travel. And I realize that this is a little bit maybe self-serving in network, but <laughs> Seriously, like I have not, I have not had a chance to listen to Fanti yet. But if I understand the concept, it seems to be devoted to discussing people's problematic faves. If I have that right, <laughs> that's absolutely right. So Fanti is a portmanteau. Uh, yes. First of all, that's a great word. We, we don't we don't use that term enough in we don't. everyday speak. We don't. Yeah. yeah, it is a portmanteau of the words fan and anti. So it's uh, certainly quintessentially about problematic faves, the people and things and ideas and concepts that we really love and hold dear, but we are also really challenged by. Yeah. Um, and so right now we're in a series called Proud to be an American, question mark, mm. um, which is our first series within the show. But we're talking about, you know, loving America and being American but that coming with some things that don't sit well. And that was really born out of a song um, that God bless the USA, God bless the USA, excuse me. Um, and I remember seeing that on American Idol and them singing that when in those instances where they would make all of the people on American Idol pretend like they were a choir as if that were a thing. Um, and like <laughs> it would feel weird to me to hear them singing, and I'm proud to be an American. And I'd be like, huh. 
Okay. And so in, in the series that we're doing, um, we're talking with Asian Americans, Latino, Latino and Hispanic Americans, Black Americans, but we're also looking at um, other marginalized groups and the ways that we engage this idea of being American. But some of our other episodes have been on Tyler Perry and the ways that we love and are challenged by Tyler Perry and Wendy Williams and like, you know, how are you doing? But also how are you doing? Like, you know, uh, so that's really the focus of the show. So if and when you get to talk about a musical artist, who's likely to make it there besides, I'm just going to volunteer Kanye because I can't imagine he wouldn't belong somewhere in this mix at some point, but who else? Yeah. It's funny that you say that because Kanye is the episode that we feel like we are building to and we have to like graduate into because there's, (laughs) there's just a lot there, right? You're like, there's a lot of meat on that bone. And oh. we're probably going to need more than the 45 minutes we normally do. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, we're, we, I tweeted about this last month, and my mentions are still lit up about it. We're doing an episode that I'm calling right now, working titled um, uh, Robert, Bill, and Michael, which is about R. Kelly, Bill mm. Cosby, and Michael Jackson, mm. and mm. why we feel differently, why I feel differently about each of them and engage them all differently. Um, and so... That one is one that will come at some point soon, I'm sure. Um, but it's uh, we've got a lot of different ones that we're excited to be doing. And we've already got, you know, more than a dozen episodes in the can now that, that people mm. can go check out. Well, bringing this back to India, who I think we can agree, not problematic, at least not on this album. We, not that I'm we, aware of. Exactly. Yeah. And Morgan, you already revealed what your fire track is on, yes. in terms of your favorite song on here. Yes. How about for you, Jared? What is the song that every time you listen to this album, just like, boom. So it's 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 a toss up. Depends on the day, and like sure. on the version that's on Apple Music, there's a different version of my favorite song Ooh. that frustrates me. Mm. Um, but it's a song called "Better People." Mm. Um, the original version was more upbeat. The one on the album that I was listening to most recently was a little bit more acoustic. But like, I love "Better People." Um, on the the version that I was most familiar with. It starts off very upbeat and she's like, yeah, yeah. And like, she's like, and, it, and it's like, it's a song that you have to like clap your hands to when you're listening to it. Yeah, yeah. I wish there was a video game to teach you your ancestor names. I wish there was a phone number like 1-800-SAVE-YOUR-BROTHER. I'm thankful for the radio station. When I talk about how India Ari songs you know, hit different, if you will, um, the next time you hear them. This song definitely hits different in 2020 than it did in 2006 or in 2010 or in 2014, you know. Um, she's talking about, in this song that has kind of a gospel vibe to it, how if we would just talk to each other, we could be more effective and we could be, quote, better people. Um, she's, in the chorus, she says, if, um, she says, if young people would talk to old people, we'd be better people all around. And like, I just, I, and then in the the bridge e kind of space, she talks about Republicans talking to Democrats. She talks about, um, you know, different kinds of people talking to each other in a way that really, really speaks to the polarization that we see right now. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, to Morgan's point earlier, like she was early, early. right? Like we've, we, we, are so in that space right now where that song really, really resonates in a different way. The other song, realistically, there are three, but I'm not going to do that to y'all. Go um, ahead. Do all three. Yeah, 
All three. Okay. Well, in that case, I love India Song. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I was just talking about the the series that we're doing on Fantai and how uh, how we're doing this proud to be an American thing and how sometimes we can feel uncomfortable here yeah. in America and like in, in the idea of pride and patriotism in America because of the ways that America has done so dirty, us being every marginalized group, every minority, right? And so that song, she says in the chorus, I want to go where the wind calls my name. I want to go to a place where I feel comfortable, almost in that cheers way. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Like it speaks to me in that kind of way. Um, and I just, I just think it is a beautifully constructed song. It's beautifully sang. It's beautifully written. Like everything about that song is great. Um, it has so much like history and ancestry in it. Yeah. And just, it's, it's so packed. I choose. I, so I didn't realize this uh, until I was researching for this episode but I'd forgotten that back in college, I used to do a blog and I took I Choose and I did like a weekly write about I Choose. I think that song is one of the most lyrically rich songs I know. Mm. Um, I used to take one line of lyric from that song and every week I would write what that lyric meant to me mm. um, and how it resonated with me or spoke to me. And I thought it was such a... It was rich in that there was so much growth in it and so much to grow out of in that song. She talks about so much. Um, it's like if you were going to start an app for me, for like quotes to put out as memes, you could literally take every lyric in that song and put it into a, into a quote. Sure. It's fantastic. to be the best that I can be. Can I also say, though, it's hard for me to choose favorites because I Am Not My Hair is, we haven't really talked about it, but it was like the big single that launched this album, right? Sure. And right. in hearing her talk about this song, like, I didn't recognize what she was doing with that song but like apparently she wrote that song after watching melissa etheridge perform at the grammys um after she had shaved her head from having cancer sure um and in the lyrics she says We just did an episode of Fantai where we were talking about people being in quarantine after a few weeks started to realize like, oh my God, what's, what am I going to do about my hair? And so we talked yeah. about barbershops <laughs> and how, you know, the barbershop is one of those places that has very mixed feelings for us. But the idea of our hair being something that was so important and I am, I, I cut my own hair while I'm in quarantine here by myself because like it's important to me that I feel a certain way. Um, and so to hear her talk about I Am Not My Hair and the ways that, like, we have really oppressed ourselves and been oppressed by the way that we address our hair, it, yes. it really spoke to me, too. And there aren't that many um, songs by Black women about about hair. I mean, you got mm. 
uh, Afro Puffs, Lady of Rage. You got Solange, Don't Touch My Hair. You got, um, I think Erica has an Afro song, but that's about somebody else. And then you got Willow, Whip My Hair Back and Forth. Yes. But, you know what I'm saying? So there haven't been, there. there's not an overwhelming canon of hair positive songs. And in 2006, again, early, she she mm-hmm. she was too early for this widespread acceptance of natural natural hair she she missed it by a couple of years early again so while she was mm-hmm. celebrating and i'm not taking anything away from non-natural sisters god bless them as well she was a little bit early for that too I, w- I wanted to ask you, Jared, because sometimes I, we ask on this show, is this, you know, this artist's best album or is it just your favorite? So to you, mm. is this India's best album or is this just your favorite? No shade either way, but I just want to know, honestly, you know, what do you feel? It's so hard. I, well, like, I haven't listened to the new one. Full disclosure, stop judging me. Um, <laughs> I I would have to say... I think so. And I think it goes back to what you were talking about earlier about how Voyage felt like she wanted to do this, but they were like, that's really cute. Now let's give you some producers. That's it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And I feel, I feel like this might have been, it's hard for me to say because I haven't heard the newest stuff, but of all the things that I'm aware of, I would say this is probably the best one because I feel like it was the most honest it was the most, you know, uh, heartfelt and the most open, like vulnerable. So I don't know if that's answering you. No, it does. It does. And I asked you this because in prep for the chat, I went back and listened to a few of the albums and I found myself going back to Worthy, which is her latest album. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is fire. And when it came out, I don't know what I was caught up with, but I skipped o- over it. And I felt mm-hmm. like, you know, am I like everybody else that I haven't spent mm. enough time? And Worthy to me was fire. If you had asked me before, I, it would have been a toss-up to between actually this album and Voyage to India. And I love them both. I love the slickness of Voyage to India. I love the message and mm-hmm. the growth here. But Worthy is something else. And so I wanted to ask you because sometimes your favorite album is not the best one. It's just the sentimental favorite. Jared, I'm wondering, is there a song off of here that you would want to hear someone now cover? Mm. And if so, what would the song be? And more importantly, or equally important, who would you want to hear try to tackle it? Um, Because Oliver and I are going to say Frank Ocean, because we say Frank Ocean for every album and every... But Frank would, I think Frank would do very well with with the song off of here, you know? Um, That is so difficult. I feel like it would probably be better people or i choose mm. um i think i think better people because it it could not be more relevant right now yeah totally um and who would do it i don't know why i'm thinking it. the first person that's coming to mind is her mm. um i just love her voice and i i just there's something about like listening to her sing, and I don't want to be like wholly clear. I don't know all of her music by any stretch. Sure. Um, 
but I I love her voice, and I also I love hers voice. Um, <laughs> but I also I'm really really in love with Snow Allegra's voice. I don't know. Interesting if, choice. If, yeah, S- Snow Allegra has one of those voices that I. <laughs> I'm such a foodie. I always describe voices like hers as uh, soft butter over hot pastry, and you mm-hmm. just—it's kind of mm-hmm. melting, and you cannot get enough of it. And like, I just imagine like her voice doing a song like that um, because it—it it just feels like warm and welcoming. Um, and I think that I don't know if it would work, but those are the things that are coming to me. No, I like I like both of those choices. I was gonna say, you know, even if it sounds wild, because when I think of Good Morning, um, I'd like to hear Cece Winans do this. I love her voice. Oh my god! And I think she'd be great doing Good Morning, and it wouldn't ha- wouldn't have to be she wouldn't have to substitute anything for the Lord or whatever. But I would just love to hear her do Good Morning. Can you imagine Cece Winans doing Better People? <sighs> Cece Winans. Oh, that's such a good call. Can I amend? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Can I amend to Cece Winans? Yes. I think that is so good. Like, oh, Cece Winans on that Let Them Fall in Love album, which is just like a wild departure from gospel, right? Come on. Um, and just, oh, we could talk about Come that on. all day. Sorry. Come on. And I saw her at Disney Music Hall, <laughs> and she wore us out. It was just her oh and three her, her three singers and she wore us out. Please forgive them too for they know now what they do let them fall in love But, the, but one question I wanted to ask you back to the tracks, though. If there was a track on here, if you had to introduce someone to Indiari who had not heard of Indiari, those mm. unicorns do exist. And if they had not, what track from this album would you use as an introduction? I think India's song. Mm-hmm. I think that song has so much of who and what Indiari is. Because there's like, there's talk of, of, the ancestors yes there is talk of freedom there is talk of just I, there's so much in india song it would probably be that if i wanted them to like really love her if i just wanted them to like hear a song and like a song it'd probably be like better people or i choose but like if i wanted you to like really appreciate india um it it would probably be that cuz if you love that song I think you would be along for the ride with India Arby. Where the wind calls my name. Wind is calling India, India, India. If you had to describe this album in three words, what three words would you choose? Okay, Oliver. So I told myself to be ready for this question. <laughs> um, and I wrote down replenishing, mm. honest, and open. And I think about replenishing because of the unique thing that India Ari gives me, like I talked about at the beginning, of how I can hear a song 
and come back to it four years later and it sounds like something completely different to me. Mm. And it speaks to me in a different way. Mm -hmm. It fills my cup up in a different way. And that's what I I think of with replenishing. I think honest, um, to start off with these eyes, I mean, Mm -hmm. that is a song of like heartbreak and devastation and, and watching the possibilities, the dream for a love die. Mm. Right. Um, I I think that is probably like the most vulnerable track on the whole thing. And it's just so honest and like open because I feel like her heart is wide open in this album. I feel like she's like fully exposing all of her, her stuff. I I like that you did your homework. Good choices. Very good choices. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we bounce, we want to leave our listeners with some recommendations in terms of what they should add to their next uh, album to check out. And uh, I'll kick things off. I was thinking about other kinds of breakup albums. And for whatever reason, I landed on Nas's 2012, Life is Good. Maybe partly I was influenced by the, all the kind of critical controversy around this album. So I was thinking about imperfect breakup albums. And I think Life is Good is, it qualifies as that because it's, it's, it's no here, my dear. Let's put it that way. Uh, but Nas recorded it uh, after him and Khalees split up. And Bye Baby, which ends the album, is, is kind of his big, like, here's the breakup tune on there. Everybody, you screaming at the racist cops in Miami was probably the highlight of my life. Like, hi, yo, look at my wife, gangster. Me and 20 cops about to fight. Crazy night, bailed you out next morning. We got clean like it never happened. And later we had that heat game. Just another day in the life of two people in love. But it wasn't enough. So, baby, guess what? I guess you knew it. How about you, Morgan? Um, I always have two. So my first recommendation would be to go back to 2002 and go to Tweets, A Southern Hummingbird. Uh, you've got acoustic in places, it's self-aware, uh, it's introspective, and I would start with Complain. Nothing in this world but you complete me. And then, if you want to hear Indiari singing something other than these kinds of songs, go to 2015 and her album with Joe Sample, which is called Christmas with Friends. It's one of the prettiest Christmas Mm. albums I've ever heard. And I would start with uh, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. Let there be peace on earth. And Jared, how about you? What do you think our audience should be checking out after they finish listening to Testimony Volume 1? I don't know if this makes any sense, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> I, I, working at a radio station, uh, ran into this artist and had a complete breakdown and then went and saw her perform at the Staples Center two nights later. Um, it's going to be Anita Baker. Mm. Oh, my God. Which and album? I, well, what's odd about this is I'm choosing the best of Anita Baker. Okay. Which might be controversial, you know, take me. <laughs> but I think the best of Anita Baker is like, I can play that. And like, it just gives me like hints of everything that I've had from Anita Baker through the yeah. years. Um, and what I appreciate about Anita Baker um, is one of the things that I don't say about a lot of artists. Um, Celine Dion... I think has a perfect, like that voice, that voice is so consistent. Like you're not going to see her 
give you a performance. I've seen Celine Dion sing one time where her voice cracked, and it was the first performance after her husband died. Mm. I'm going to let her cry. Yeah, yeah. Anita Baker performing at the Staples Center, that voice sounded exactly like that voice sounded on these albums. And I was just blown away by, mind you, it was not a fanfare kind of show. Right? Like, there was no background dancers, and there was, like, a an Apple screensaver on the screen. But, like, that voice was amazing. And yeah. I think the best of Anita Baker is probably the, the one for me. I'll always be here just because I love you. It doesn't mean you won't disappear. I'm missing you, baby. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Heat Rocks with our special guest, Jared Hill. Let us know what you're working on now. You can check out uh, my podcast here on Maximum Fun called Fanti. Um, We come out with new episodes every Thursday, and it is a labor of love. Um, I'm also writing uh, immense amount of different things. Um, And so uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and I kind of keep you guys posted on the things that I'm writing everywhere at Jarrett Hill. Jarrett is two R's and two T's. Um, And uh, my website, jarretthill.com. You've been listening to Heat Rocks with me, Oliver Wong, and Morgan Rhodes. Our theme music is Crown Ones by Thess One of People Under the Stairs. Shout out to Thess for the hookup. Heat Rocks is produced by myself and Morgan, alongside Christian Duenas, who also edits, engineers, and does the booking for our shows. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher, and our executive producer is Jesse Thorne. We are part of the Maximum Fun family, taping every week live in their studios in the Westlake neighborhood of Los Angeles. One last thing, here is a teaser of next week's episode, which features the one and only Havoc of Mob Deep talking about the Purple Tape, Raekwon the Chef's debut album from 1995, only built for Cuban links. I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about just that kind of competitive spirit of all of these different artists at the top of their game trying to outdo one another, assuming that that was the case. Yeah, well, like we all was friends, you know what I mean? So... It wasn't a rivalry that was plagued in 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 hate or something like that. It, right. it 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 was like we all was friends and we would see each other and we would always pick each other up for our projects. Like you know, like yo son, that shit was crazy. Like you know what I mean? And that was that was the beautiful thing about it because you know they they would be picking me up about my project. Ray Kwan to drop his joint. We'd be like, yo son, that. Yo, like, so they already knew that after each one of our projects, when when anybody go back to the studio, we going in in to try to top that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I right. mean, but uh, only built for uh, for Cuban Links. That was a hard one to top. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.